you smell what the rock is cooking? Acknowledge me. You don't know what hard times are, daddy. We are bad to the bone. Get it? Bad to the bone. Tell me when I'm telling lies. I'll fight anybody who you want. Just let me fight them. Let me tell you something, Jim Ross. Make a pose, yeah. Oh, we got it for you. We are the best. Smart marks. And that's the bottom line. Costone Cole said so. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Talk'em in the Building, where here I'm joined by my wrestling pals, my compatriots, my comrades, as we delve into the art, the beauty, and the downright joy of a professional wrestling promo. For today's episode, we are looking at the truth talkers those promo talkers that make us truly believe the words that are coming out of their mouths, that make us question what's reality and what's truth. And if you're Definitely. new here, go ahead and like, comment, and if you enjoyed these conversations, give us a repeat listen. You're not going to regret it. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, you know, wherever platform that you're listening to this on or watching us on. And I'm fortunate and I'm elated to be joined by Adrian and Greg in this venture. And, you know, just ask me how we doing tonight, fellas. Feeling good, feeling good, feeling great, man. Feeling good, man. It's, uh, I'm, I'm ready to get on this one. This is going to be interesting tonight. This is going to be real interesting tonight. It will be very <laughs> interesting. I think that's where the idea came from. And, you know, before we dive in, I think we always try to link this into something more personal. And the question for tonight to get us kind of going is thinking about your own life, thinking about our everyday interactions, this idea of a truth talker, right? Someone who questions, who makes you believe, who really bring up you see that passion and in, in the way that they speak who's someone who was a truth talker in your own daily life whether it was when you were younger or maybe a work setting or maybe day-to-day um relationships who would be that truth talker for you and that's 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 a wild question right i mean it's i don't know if there's somebody necessarily daily that jumps out and just says boom this is that person but when that when that question came up i started thinking about a couple of old bosses i had and <clears throat> they were just straight up, no sugar coating. They they made they made they were humorous. They had good personalities, but they didn't sugarcoat crap. And I remember one time I had to um, unfortunately uh, terminate somebody, and the way they broke it down of like here's how to do it, and it was just like man, it was straight heel promo, but it was like <laughs> in a way that you don't make the other person feel that way, right? It was just very much cut dry take the emotion out do this do that and the truth that they hit me with was like man when you did it you were like i get it and they gave the reason behind it right and i think that was the other part is that they totally understood because when you first hear it on the surface you're like man i ain't doing that but then they give you the facts behind it and say you know here here's the reasons you got to do it this way here's the reasons you, you got to terminate this way. Then it kind of led into more coaching to talk and more development talk. And they always gave the reason. Mm-hmm. And that to me, I know we talk about all the promos and that's what we do, right? That's what a good promo is. They give you the reason. They believe it. It doesn't matter if you're a heel or a baby. They believe whatever they're saying. And that's what this came across. And to this day, I look at that person as a, as a mentor, even though I haven't talked to them in literally do like 15 years. But I mm. lean back on those truth talks and those those times where they just kind of broke it down. And like I said, they didn't sugarcoat. Like if they had to put me in my place, they put me in my place. If they heard something a little bit, you know, off color, they hit it. Um, but they also didn't hold back. Even the language, they didn't hold back. It wasn't that politically correct crap, right? It was a <laughs> from the heart talk. And to me, that's what a truth talker is. They got to come from the heart. Great. Definitely, Agreed. definitely. I like that. I can hear that. I can, I can envision that. I, I think I've had a couple of bosses like that, too. <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. All right. Adrian, how about yourself? Have you had any, any truth-talking bosses or something? someone else? Man, definitely. That's an understatement. When you're working in the restaurant industry, it's a, simply put, it's a cutthroat business, especially uh-huh. once you get to a certain level, you know? Um the truth talkers, <laughs> the truth talker that I can definitely say, like, this is probably the most honest, most blunt person 
it was a chef that I worked under for a couple years. And to the on the outside eye, most people would say, this guy's a dick. This guy is a jerk. He just says whatever the hell's going on in his mind and he keeps it moving. And while, yes, a lot of that is true, <laughs> I will say a lot of that is true. We got to understand his vantage. And I learned more under him. And I slowly became that same type of person, unfortunately, in some cases. Um, being a chef is hard, man. Like you're working long hours. You're generally underpaid and you're working under you're working in some challenging conditions, whether it's super hot. If you're working a certain station, you're working with sharp equipment, tight spaces. And the biggest X factor of it all is the simple stress of being under a time constraint. If my dinner service is only from seven to 10, I have to maximize those three hours and I can't afford to play around or figure things out because people are spending money. And again, once you get to a certain level where people are spending a good amount of money, you know, they damn sure expect it to be knocked out the park. So this chef, even though, yes, he was always hyped up on Red Bull at the least or recreational drugs. That does happen. <laughs> Even though you get ramped up on that and you're working 12 to 15 hours a day. Yes, that happens also. You still have to deliver this product. And this chef, one, one of the best guys that I've ever worked for, I would run through a brick wall for this man. The reason why I loved him is because he spoke the truth. If you, if you didn't deliver, he would tell you that. If you did deliver, he would just nod. He didn't pat you on the back. He didn't give you a hug. He just went because that's what you were supposed to do. Because that's why I'm paying you this, Adrian. You're, you're supposed to deliver this consistently. And it was just that level of excellence that in other situations professionally, I didn't really get that. But this guy in particular, he pushed me, he challenged me. And once I was blessed to have the opportunity to lead a kitchen or be a sous chef and work my way to running my own kitchen, running my own store, running my own uh, branch, essentially, of multiple stores, I attribute a lot of those disciplines to that guy, that one angry jerk who always was hopped up on Red Bull or recreational drugs, who didn't get any sleep, and he was a hard ass, but he spoke the truth. And for that, I'm forever thankful for him. It's so interesting how the people you're mentioning have been inspirational, right? Have been people that maybe in the moment we we dislike or or we just think like, what's what's wrong with you? But they stay with you, right? And it, it brings me back Definitely. to a quote my dad would say when I'd come home from school complaining about the tough teachers that I had. That would make you work that would not let you off the hook and we're essentially like you know the little generals inside their own classroom and say like those those are the teachers that really care for you those are the yep. ones those are the leaders that give a damn and are worthwhile in your life i'm not gonna for my example i'm not gonna deviate too much because i think we're taking the spin on leadership i'm gonna go back all the way to fifth grade to my fifth grade uh principal who was you know relatively diminutive man but man Beyond that, his his stature physically was nothing compared to if you heard him speak, you ever heard uh, hear him speak, it was watching like someone who was seven foot tall. Like this his voice, the his eloquence, the way he imparted on you, and his his big thing was going to college, right? And we're fifth graders, right? So we're very impressionable. We're trying to find our way. So we, you know, we can be impacted. But it was my parents. It was all our parents who we would rally the troops. He'd get them involved in the PTA. He'd get them going. When you're talking about first-generation immigrant families, that's hard to do with working-class folks. You know, they they got mm -hmm. they're holding down two or three jobs, and you're pulling them in to do school-based uh, work. It was incredible to see this man work, 
and the impact he had because of the way he spoke because it was it was in a very direct way of saying your children are 10 years old the next eight years will fly by in the blink of a second the blink of an eye i should say and it was this idea of like this is what the next step is you need to be doing this 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 and this in order for your for your kids to have a chance at a better life to have a chance at a four-year college to have a chance at a uh, you know, at, at a higher paying job. And it was interesting how many parents took that to heart. And I still, I still talk to some of those folks and I say, do you remember nice. him? And everybody has good memories of him later on, you know, things shifted and whatnot. But I remember going back in high school and he was like, you said, maybe I didn't talk to him every day. Maybe I didn't see him on a daily basis, but I still tell him that field trip. He took us to USC, which ended up going to UCLA, which he hated, but <laughs> and we talk football and he, he's like oh we're gonna beat you guys whatever because that's like the rivalry over here on the west coast where it was back then um and he said you know it's interesting because i i didn't think about that way i was a lot younger i was really motivated i really just wanted to make make you know do right by by the kids that i was working with and working for and the families but the fact that you're here now as an adult as a grown man and you're still remembering this and now in my position, like you were saying, you know, taking positions of leadership where I'm using a lot of those same skills, I'm using a lot of the same skills in the way that I treat folks is incredible. And that that is a definition of a truth talker to me is like, you're not just admiring, you're you're taking in who they are, right? You're you're Definitely. almost you're almost uh, kind of imitating in a, in, a, in a positive way, I should say. So what's inter- interesting about what we just all talked about, right? We didn't give anything that's current. Like we all just went back into our past. And if we, go, if we jump back to episode one, if you guys haven't listened to episode one, you guys out there listening now, jump back. There's a really cool um, jumping back, you know, where, where we talked about some promos that touched our lives in the beginning. It's interesting. There's a parallel. There's a parallel of what we just talked about, the truth talkers that spoke to us and, and affected our lives. And to this day, we have taken things from that. And we didn't realize it at the time, right? Okay. We didn't realize what those words were being spoken into us relating it back to wrestling like i can go back to my ollie anderson when i hated ollie but now i can look mm. back and be like dang that dude had it right and that dude was the real crux to get me in the building not dusty and it's kind of like you go back and you look at these things and you don't realize how it affected you it sucked you into this crazy world of professional wrestling as a fan but it still affected you and we still remember it to this day and it's like you just you never know what words are going to affect you or what words you've said to somebody else that affect them and it's just and it's really cool to hear things come back and i think it's also important like you just said i'd leave to kind of go back and, and speak to that person and say hey thank you for that thank you spoke these words into me 15 20 years ago whatever it was because when they hear that you don't know how that makes them feel on the inside. You know what I mean? And it's like, Definitely. I want to be able to go back. I wish I could reconnect to that boss and be like, hey, thank you. Because these little pieces of guidance you gave me, these little nuggets, man, I still use them to, to this day. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. Awesome. And, that, and that's a great segue because I feel like this whole next segment is going to be a love fest. And it's almost like a virtual <laughs> thank you to all the people we're going <laughs> to highlight here. Um, and with that, Thank you, Greg, for the, for the great segue there. We're going to be looking at the truth talkers. And we're going to be looking at those folks that talk this into the building enough that you really start questioning how much is blurred in this line between truth and fiction. And, you know, we all thought about very, very thoughtfully about who these, who these um, individuals were and what made you believe specifically about what they were saying. So um, I know that we had some some thoughts here. I don't know if uh, maybe Greg can get us started here with who is that truth talker as a pro wrestler that stood out to you and really impacted you? Like you were saying earlier, as far as the, the real life context, who's that person that spoke to you, but you didn't realize was going to hook you in? Well, in, in our example today um, is The Miz. Because to me, when you look at The Miz, I've always respected what he's done. I've always looked at him and he's very been very professional. He's been very good. And and I think now he's finally getting some of that respect, but I think he's he's that person who if you really dig into his whole story, 
everybody says it's the real world, real world, real, real world. The dude went to UPW and, and tried to learn himself how to wrestle. It wasn't even about like he went real world WWE. Mm-hmm. But then you hear all these different things and all the learnings and all of that. <clears throat> and then what happened on Talking Smack that one time? Or um, yeah, yeah. And what's wild about so, that is I, I never watched that show. Like I wouldn't, I just right. didn't. But I did that week. I don't know why. I have no clue why I turned it on. And when he did that, I was like, I was just so dumbfounded (laughs) because you could feel it. You could feel the passion and you could feel the truth. And you didn't just feel it from him. You felt it hit Daniel Bryan right in the heart. And it was like to the point where he walked off and you're like, is that, is, is, is this real? Is it not? Right. And when you hear about it later, he walked off because he was mad because he got mm-hmm. called out. I don't know that he's the biggest truth talker. And when I look at across you know, all the ones who have ever influenced me, but that promo showed me more. And, and I'm like, man, that should be something that's on replay at the performance center, on replay at OVW, yeah. on replay at you know, all these other places. It says this, this is the passion. This comes across and if you remember that was the talk of the industry yeah, for definitely. weeks I'm the coward. Wait, let me tell you about a coward let me tell you about a guy who tells his wwe fans the people that he loves that he will be back he promises them but you didn't daniel did you but i'm the coward if they would let me come back i would come back oh, and you love wrestling right well why don't you quit why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls this thank you very much renee this is a great show but we're talking here you're the one that calls me the coward but you're the one that doesn't get in the wwe ring again don't you walk away i'm the one that loves the fans thing you're the one that gets up and walks away every single time you're the coward i am your intercontinental champion and there's a reason i am the title reason making this the most relevant prestigious title that wwe get that camera right here get that camera right here understand that this is day 141 of the never any intercontinental championship world tour this is my show my show there was so much truth in that though and it's not not just around that same time is when he wasn't even on the pay-per-view. There was a pay-per-view right before that, I think. Um, and the, the IC title wasn't even defended. And I think that's kind of what started that conversation. And what's interesting is Daniel Bryan was always the people and the man of the people, right? Right. And I love wrestling and I love wrestling. He called him out. He point blank said, you love it so much, freaking quit here and go wrestle. Go do what you got to do. And that, to me, said was saying, basically, you're a sellout, Daniel. You're a sellout. Mm. You're sitting here. You're here for the money. You're not here for nothing else. You could go wrestle in Japan. You could go wrestle in Impact. You can go wrestle in GCW. You can go wherever else you want to go, but you're here for the money. And, and I was like, dang, because that's, that's what I got out of that. Yeah. And then um, he did talk about, like, he, he wrestles a certain style. Okay, it is what it is. But he's right. He hasn't had injuries. He didn't have any of that, right? He's main event at WrestleMania and arguably should have been at a higher level on a regular basis, right, wrong, or indifferent. But he's a personality. But he's also a hard worker. And the frustration I think that's coming out there is when you look back at Miz, he's trusted. He was trusted to be in there with The Rock and Cena. He's trusted even to this day. Where did Logan Paul start? Mm-hmm. Yep. Bad Bunny, where did he start? You start looking at who do they put him in the ring with? They put him with Miz. Because arguably he's the safest, best worker they have for that style in the company. And mm-hmm. that's the frustration that's coming out. That appreciate me. Appreciate what I've done for this company. Appreciate what I do day in and day out. And when he's looking across at somebody who he doesn't feel like appreciates him, who does call him a coward, who I thought was cheap. And another discussion, I know we don't talk about a lot of character stuff on here, but my opinion of Daniel Bryan is, was he over? Was he really over? Or was the yes chant over? Because if you think about it, Ty Dillinger was the same thing. 10, 10, 10. And then they killed it. They squashed it. And he's been nothing ever since. Now, Daniel Bryan 
was tapering off big time until he left. And has he been as over as he ever was with the yes chant? No. And so when you really look at it and dig deep, as great as he is in the ring, he as well was a character. And Miz has taken that same character, evolved it, changed it. Um, even to this day, that, that promo, I think, was seven years ago. To this day, you think about what he's done, how he's done it, whether it's Miz TV, whether it's Miz and Miz, uh, Miz and Mrs., um, all these different things, all the press, everything. The dude does more than anybody else in that company except Cena over the past 20 years. And that frustration came out. But there's a part of that, that promo that I sit back and go, he's frustrated, but he's so freaking good that he threw some work into it. Mm-hmm. And the way you know he did is when he's going off and he mentions, his, mentions the other titles, that's working. When he mentions the women's titles, that's working. Yeah. But when he mm-hmm. says, put that camera on me, dude, that's working. That's being aware of your surroundings, being aware that I'm going off, but I'm going to milk this storyline-wise, too. He set up an entire storyline that could have happened. They never really milked it like they could have, but he knew what he was doing. And I'm like, dude, but that right there, I was a fan of The Miz before that, but after that, I was, like, pulling for him (laughs) for everything. (laughs) I'm like, man, because especially think seven years ago, we had no promos like that nothing yeah. like in the past few years you've gotten some more passion you've gotten some better promos you got some better right. interviews and and confrontations and stuff but man at that moment whew, it was i just thought it just was on fire and i think they missed a huge opportunity to roll with that but man that to me one of the best literally of all time mm. this i is, agree yeah sure. I feel like this is the era of the unaired promos. I mean, I, it aired, but let's be real. It was Talking Smack. Who was watching Talking Smack, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think of the rise of the New Day. Maybe we'll, re- we'll visit those. How did mm. they get? How did they even get their foot in the door? It was all those backstage promos that no one really saw the light of light of day of. But you, mm-hmm. you spoke on something. This idea of desperation, right? And it's almost like he was just unloading. Every criticism that he's heard probably in person, online, read, maybe even from Holbrook and maybe even from Vince for all we know, right? Definitely. And he's directing at, at, at Daniel Bryan as this representation of what you said, the, you know, the, the real, you know, true professional wrestler who, you know, knows all the moves and knows all the technical moves. And we know the backstory, uh, backstory of, of Miz. He, yeah, he, he was always a wrestling fan. Right? How did he? How did he? Quote unquote, get over on Real World. He was obnoxious. He was cutting promos on everybody in the house. <laughs> like my 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 fiance, who doesn't even like, didn't watch wrestling really beyond like The Undertaker before we met. He's like, oh, that's that's the guy from Real World, right? It's like, oh, he was so obnoxious, but we watched because he was because he drew us mm-hmm. into the you know that was how she got drawn into the building. But man, I love Daniel Bryan, and it just broke my heart because I could tell. He couldn't. He the la, the only thing he could do was punch him, and he was not about to do that. <laughs> and he did later say some version that's like, "I just wanted to cock, you know, he's like hit him across the face or slap him." But this little moment where he goes to pick up the belt, so professional because he's no, he knows he's caught up in the moment, but mm-hmm. he's like, "Ah, I got to sell the tickets, so I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still on WWE, you know, TV here. Let me pick up the title and let me cut, let me finish off this promo, you know, in character and." So brilliant. He's so underrated, and I agree. It's it's one Definitely. of those cases where if you, if you gave him a chance to shine like this on TV, wow. But I just think he's such a company guy. He would never, like, even dare go off script. He's, like, such by the book, like, all right, give me what I got to do, and, I, you know, I'll do what mm-hmm. you need to me to do. Yeah, I think the other thing that he, he jumped in on there, like you just said, that understanding I'm still on part of the company. When Renee interrupted him and he went off on her, what did he say? This is a great show. It, I mean, he like praised yeah. the show. He said yeah, talking right. smack. I mean, he's like, mm-hmm. he gets it, man. He gets it mm-hmm. so well. Like, yeah. And that's a uh, very, that's a very Miz line that I picked up on. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the Vincisms that you ever hear. Like his, his Mizism to me is thank you very much. It's almost like this little, 
with, mm. with them promos, it's like, let me, let me think, let me think. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. And mm -hmm. then he'll, he'll move on to the next piece, but it's, it's in a very polite way. Definitely. Definitely. Miz is definitely one of the most underrated superstars of the modern era of wrestling. A lot more people need to be able to give him his flowers without feeling, feeling like you're selling out. Like he's just some WWE, uh, just creation like this dude this dude actually grinded from the bottom worked his way up got himself over made some opportunities for himself and honestly he stayed he stayed healthy for yeah. a majority of his career so mm -hmm. that in itself in this day and age of professional wrestling is something to be admired and to be respected so salute to the miz that promo definitely, like you said, is one of the best ever for sure. And I, I'll say, to piggyback on what you just said, he continues to get better too in the ring. Mm -hmm. Like he, I remember a couple months ago he did a springboard. And I was like, what, the, what just happened? Like he, I mean, I know he did a kip up, which was a little bit weak, but he did it. I can't do it, so I, I can't say nothing about that. But he did a springboard one time. He hit it, and even in the middle of the match, he goes, "I hit the springboard." Didn't you see I hit the springboard? I'm like. This dude, first off, the fact he's still at this point in his career trying to do stuff like that, trying to get – do little things that shock the audience, right, um, on a skill was. But then what does he do? He promotes it. He gets that part. He understands I got to still say something about it because that's me. That's the Miz. The Miz is going to brag. And and not to, like, you know, belabor the point, but you speak on – you spoke on him being trusted, right? With Rock, with Cena, with Logan Paul, but you go back. He was almost he was being put in this place ever since like the Divas tournaments or that. Mm -hmm. You know, he there's that terrible thing where he got the number wrong when they were calling in or something like that. That's <laughs> oh, his yeah. meme now. <laughs> but think about it now. He was hosting wrestle. You know, he was doing all these coasting guys even at the ra last WrestleMania, right? When when he did the whole Snoop Dogg, he was interrupted by Snoop Dogg like two nights in a row, whatever it was, right? To be put in those segments, it's like it's incredible because that's how much he's trusted. That's how much he's valued. And as much as we want to pigeonhole him, trust me, if he showed up in GCW tomorrow and you just got fired, you know that that shit would be a sellout. So, oh, yeah. oh, no question about it. No question about it. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, and of course, look us up on socials at Suplex Dinner Club. And be sure to check out our other projects. We talk college football on Dogs versus All Y'all. That's a weekly college football podcast where we don't just talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. We talk about all things college football. The Life and Times pod, which is short for the Life and Times of a Restaurant Lifer podcast, where I have some chill conversations with some cool and interesting people that I've met in my years in the hospitality industry. And of course, check out Talk Em in the Building, that's a pro wrestling podcast where we solely focus on the promo. We talk about the talkers, we hype the hype man, and we pontificate on the promo. It's a fun project, and if you're a pro wrestling fan, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. The Suplex Dinner Club family is growing, and I would love for you to be a part of it. Adrian, who is your truth-talking pro wrestler that drew you into the building by virtue of the way that they spoke to your heart? All right, so this this guy he's pretty polarizing at this point of his career and within uh the current landscape of professional wrestling. But one thing about him, love him or hate him, he was always great on the mic and a lot of what he said, at least I felt, a lot of what he said was the truth. So uh, my guy that I'm going to talk about is Phil Brooks, CM Punk, and the promo that I want to put out, first off, Phil has a number of promos that can easily be applied to Truth Talk, Truth Talk, and all of this stuff. The first promo that I thought immediately was just the promo that he had when he returned to AEW uh, from his hiatus and he cut his promo he had his real world uh heavyweight championship in the red bag in the sack and he cut his promo and he said hey tell me when i'm telling a lie and the reason why i wanted to do that was more so of the dig of hey you're 
you know, the only thing softer than these wrestlers are the fans that are the only thing softer than these fans are the wrestlers that they cheer for. Like, I love that. I, that got a serious pop out of me, but I thought back, I said, no, Adrian, I want to challenge myself and really look at a promo where that encapsulates the truth that Punk would talk. And the promo that I pulled up was when Punk had his rivalry against Raven. ROH days, CM Punk is definitely a hill at this point. Uh, Everyone thought he was a dick, which, I mean, it's it's definitely true to that. Uh, But, and, and Raven came to ROH. He was a conquering baby face. He was a legend at this point. Not so much because of his many accolades, but more so because of the journey that Raven went through to even get to this point. Because all of these guys, all of these former ECW guys, they were, to be frank, they weren't living. They weren't surviving. Mm -hmm. And Raven not only beat some addictions, beat some problems in his life to get himself together and to at least be able to walk out on us in a wrestling ring. So that in itself got great respect from a lot of those ROH fans. Definitely got respect from myself. But what it ultimately did was provide a great promo and a great feud between CM Punk and Raven. You. The reason in my heart of hearts why I hate you is because I didn't know any better when I was a little kid. When my dad came home smelling like beer, I thought it was a hard day's work he was doing. He was out at the bar. I didn't realize work meant unemployment office. I thought an old style, a pack a day, was the norm. Raven, my father is exactly like you. Things aren't supposed to be this way. I'd shake your hand like a normal man, but see, the truth is I don't respect you. I hate you. I hate you for everything you've pissed away, everything I scrape and I clock for that I haven't even earned yet, that you got handed to you, and you flushed out a toilet. For what? For pills? For booze? For alcohol? For women? I am born of your poison society. So on the 17th of July, I will become a monster, and your time in Ring of Honor will be done, and that is a promise, because this is true, this is real, this is Stray Edge! Did you hear that? You are a monster punk in the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but man, that, that, was, that was a terrific promo. Uh, the reason why I love that promo is obviously CM Punk is straight edge, so he doesn't do alcohol or drugs or that sort of thing. And his part of his character was that he was very proud of that, almost too proud of it to the point where he was better than everyone and he looked down on everyone. But the real reason why I love that promo is it just seemed like to me, and I want y'all's opinion on this, it seemed like Punk wasn't just cutting a promo on Raven, but he was cutting a promo on his dad. It seemed like he was he was shooting at both of them. Like, I grew up idolizing you, and you hurt me through your actions, through your bad decisions. And now I have to work behind you. I have to do things two times or three times as much as whatever you had to in your previous generation because of those bad decisions that you made to prove myself. So screw all of this respect. I'm going to put, I'm going to put you down. I'm going to put you down and I'm going to move forward because I'm straight edge and I'm better than you. Like I, I just, I just love the passion. I just love the hate. When you, when you tell someone I hate you, that's, that means something, you know, it, it, I can write that for you to say to you and everyone's going to hear you say it. And they're going to go, they're going to clutch their pearls. Like no one said you, you don't, you don't just say, I hate you. When you say, I hate you, that's some, it's, it's an element of realness there. It's an element of, Oh shit. Like 
yo man like it's not a i don't like you or you suck it's right. i hate you i hate your existence like right. that that digs deep and that's why i love that promo it, it feels like a classic argumentative essay on on steroids you know it's like i'm gonna start <laughs> i'm gonna pinpoint why i hate you but it doesn't end there i'm gonna draw this line where i'm going to be specific with it and you're right there is some connection some real personal stuff that punk always carries around with their sperm was they always seem to creep up you know this idea of Definitely. being wronged by family that's a big theme in this promos and i think that's the where i noticed with punk across his promos is a perfect uh kind of you, you said it yourself it encapsulates the thematics of his promos right i've been wronged uh my family has wronged me um, you represent the people that had wronged me. And I'm going to impart almost very Miz-like, right? I'm going to make you the target of all this all this dislike, all this hate, because you represent right. everything that I want that he says, you pissed away, right? Everything that I'm working for, you already had a chance and you, you decided it wasn't worth it. Whereas me, I, I represent the complete opposite. I didn't expect you to choose this promo. I did, frankly, think at some point we were going to do the pipe bomb because it's 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 the mm. one that everyone talks about. But I think right. this is so formative of Punk because it really is the first time he has a platform on TV with you know some of a regular audience that's not that's going to be repeated. That you can see it, you can see that that passion on on that he's wearing his heart on his sleeve, and even I think even you know colt in the back's like oh crap like what right. he's really going off i don't know how to react on this you know he's he has this very stunted look and r.i.p daphne there too who's right. a, a tremendous compliment to that whole piece that he had there but um it's it really makes me hearken to those times when we had that really not that he's ever not been hungry but that young hungry punk that still had that huge chip on his shoulder for real definitely definitely yeah i mean he still has chip on his shoulder to this oh. day like it's, every day yeah. every day yeah yeah that's just him i think i have a little bit a slight different twist on it on what i saw so he's talking about his dad right and he talked about i thought it was normal and then he realizes at some point this is just not normal right he's not supposed to be smoking and doing drinking and all right. that but he talked about looking up to raven mm. and he talked about so now you think about so many wrestling fans you hear them say wrestling was my out wrestling was my, my my not drug but like it was my it was my way of escaping my reality uh, my Definitely. reality being crappy parents crappy home life crappy whatever right social life bullying whatever it may be and that's what i kind of got out of that it was like my escape raven was you you were my escape from my father you were my escape from this crap i'm dealing with and now you're the same as him and it's like almost like there's a disappointment a point, in his bro. voice that was like, I'm taking this out on you. And yes, there's the connection of his dad, but it was just more of a, because he, he, like you said, he, he pissed it away, basically. You, you had all of this. You had what I'm going for, but you had it, and I was going for it because you had it. And now, the way I, he didn't term it this way, but the way it's that type of thing, especially you've heard it in wrestling, never meet your heroes. Definitely. And that was the a never meet your heroes type of promo to me. And I was just like, man, you felt it. And I, I think the unsung hero in that is, is Colt because I wasn't a, in the ring of honor so much at that moment, but we know their real life relationship. So I would imagine mm -hmm. at that time people knew too. His reactions or lack thereof, nothing over the top, nothing like, oh, yeah, or none of that. He wasn't co-signing. He was just standing there like, whoa, he's really going off. Like you just said, that helped sell it. Definitely. And I think there's that un that little piece of it. But, yeah, that was a really good one. I'm I'm really happy you pulled that one because I totally forgot about that one. Let's let's uh, break kayfabe for the listeners, but guys, we communicate in advance. Like, yo, this 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 is what we're gonna do, uh, just so everyone can get an idea of what's going on. But I saw both of you alls, and then I said, oh no, I can't, I can't just come with this this weak sauce uh, shot at the bucks and stuff. Nah, I got I got to up the ante, man. So. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You really got me thinking about a feud that I need to revisit, which is that Raven Punk feud, because that was 
you know, I wasn't I wasn't super following ROH, and I, I caught it like you know within a couple months of that because it made the rounds, and it was you know I always loved Raven even after ECW, mm-hmm. and it was so cool to see him in that feud. Well, gentlemen, I have one promo that I want to share with you. Someone who's who I've come to just it's just going to be a love fest, like I said. <laughs> come to adore this guy. Um, he is the king of Yonkers. He is. He has an extreme gift of gab. With if you thought Punk had a chip on his shoulder, holy crap, does this guy have a chip on his shoulder in the most positive way ever? Because <laughs> if he if he loves you, he loves you. Um, this is a promo by Eddie Kingston, and to set it up, I had actually thought about uh, presenting the promo he did when he debuted with AEW. He wasn't signed yet. He actually did one of those open challenges with Cody Rhodes. And that promo was all about not getting a chance, you know, how, you know, Cody had been given everything and here he is still struggling. And there was a lot of truth talk there because legitimately, even when he was at shows here in LA, he was already selling his gear. He was ready to call it quits. He just says, Mm -hmm. I can't even afford to pay my mortgage on wrestling. I need to just hold down. And he, you know, he, he was a, he's a union laborer. Like he had a really decent job that he, could just quit wrestling and you know make a living like no normal person like everybody else but that's the beauty of it right these these pro wrestlers and this i think this is the for the love of the game almost right they're gonna sacrifice that daily living because they love and they can speak to it this promo in particular uh yeah this promo in particular takes place inside the nwa rebooted set um that quick sliver of a couple years or it felt like a couple months where it was on YouTube, and it was legitimately one of the best things that I was watching, and probably have run, have been man. since. And I know you, Adrian, you were there live for a couple run. of those tapings too, Not right? Greg, I know Greg, but Greg was to too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. So you guys run, got the feel man. for the studio wrestling, right? And yeah, just man. to know in the back end, like how much you know the backdrop, you think secondary, but how much thought went into that? And I'll, I'll pick your brain. That's another point how how that was live, but. He came on. It's a very classic throwback. You know, it's he he's addressing um, Elijah Burke or the Pope, you know, whatever gimmick he was using at the time. And he has his heavies, who I didn't recognize at the time. And he just come in. The announcer is Dave Marquez, who's like the stalwart kind of out here in the West Coast. He's always up to something, always scheming with another another company through championship wrestling. He had that association with NWA. And he's the straight man. And usually Dave Marquez, if you ever watched the, the promos he did with NWA or anywhere else, really, he has this kind of like goofy kind of disposition. He's kind of yeah, reacting. Right. Um, that LA Knight promo about the shoes, he's, you know, really being comical. He doesn't do that here. He plays it really straight because the way that Eddie speaks here is so truthful. He talks about homicide, Right. Uh, this wrestler, you know, Homicide, ROH, CZW, going back to, you know, Jersey All-Pro, what have you. And he exalts them and say, how dare you insult, you know, Homicide. He gave up, you know, all these people are stealing moves. They're in bigger companies and taking his moves. And it's like, I didn't commit because of because of Homicide, because of what that man just said. How, how do I step back and just disconnect myself from the pro wrestling sense and say, wait, that that really happened and of course he speaks truth right and and it's those moments that this is this is a minute long promo it's not very long mm-hmm. he has 15 minute long promos when he, you know he was in chikara and you know he's he, he, it's there the flame is there but you know he's a little bit more deliberate he's he's thoughtful this is peak eddie kingston you know, because the NWA told me I got to rely. I had a screwdriver in my pocket. I went, I went under the ring. I got me a wrench. And they said, you know what, he, uh, please don't do that. When I should. I should go right after your eyes. I should go after your tongue and rip it out your mouth. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah, put him in front of you, but look at me and understand something. Don't you ever in your life disrespect homicide like that. That man built New York City. That man made stars. But all those people like me who are champions in other companies, he made. And he is my blood. Because of him, I didn't commit suicide. Do you understand that? That's reality. That's real. 
I died for that man. I cried for that man. And you disrespect him, I should bury you where you stand. Ooh, I'm hyped. Yeah, he cooked. Ooh, thoughts, gentlemen. What do we think about Eddie? One thing about uh, Eddie Kingston, man, he just looks so legit in the sense of like a legit, not a pro wrestler in the sense of, you know, the Vince McMahon big body uh, mm -hmm. jacked guys of the 90s and so forth, or the AEW guys are flipping around and all of this stuff. This guy looks like he will run up on you. You know, like <laughs> he looks like a stick up kid, you know, like, like, yo, I like, I like what you got on. Give me that. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what, that's what Eddie reminds me of. He just, he's just a true, he's a true throwback in the sense of when you actually feared a lot of, uh, when you feared these past, these wrestlers of past, he's a true throwback. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, like that that short piece right there. That's that's perfect, Eddie. Right? It's that passion, and like you look at it. And if I was on the other side of that, I'd be like, "Are you, are you, are you about to kill me for real? Like, are, are you?" Because that passion came out. But the other thing is, what's interesting about what he did is he said, "Homicide built New York City." You heard the pop, right? They're Definitely. sitting in Atlanta, bro. Yeah. They are not sitting in New York. Mm -hmm. So that the way he's delivering that and the way the passion people tap into that quickly to, to the point that people in Atlanta cheered the fact you he said he built New York City. And that's a disconnect. And, and and that's not just Atlanta, New York, that's you know, any cities. But it's mm -hmm. like, yo, there's a nice little pop, and that's not a huge crowd. So for what that was, that was a nice pop. When he said that, that connected with me because that tells you he's connected with that audience and he's tapped into something there where they're just like, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, even if they don't know what, they, what he's talking about, they're just, they're with you. And that's the type of promo that the girlfriend can be walking by the TV, the the, the person who doesn't watch wrestling, they go, he's real. They're, that I need, can you show me that again? Like, that's what that was. It wasn't comedy. It wasn't ha-ha. It wasn't none of that. I mean, he started out with a little bit, but, you know, it was like he grabbed it. And that is that person that could grab you and just roll with it. Eddie as a whole is a challenge with somebody like an AEW. I think he has to have some boundaries put on him. But loose boundaries when I say that. Right. But Eddie is an asset to any company. Like you just said, he's the perfect man. Bring him in, and he's the every man, but he's also – he's like – I'm going I'm to say Dusty because you look at Dusty. He was mm. not the bodybuilder. He was not yeah. the – he was the every man, and that's Eddie. Eddie's the every man from New York. Yeah. Dusty was the every man from Texas, and, and they can – you can just grab those certain – Demographics, they're just like, man, I'm tapping into it. And when I say demographics, I don't mean like he appeals to just one. He's going to appeal to several that right. everybody else is not going to, right? He's going he's to grab your... We've all know someone like Eddie Kingston. Yes. And the other piece is we want to be like that. Oh, yeah. There's times we want to go off on somebody like that. We want to do that. He's almost like an Austin, I mean, in a way, um, where where people are like, oh, I hate Vince McMahon, I hate Vince McMahon, but I'm living vicariously through Austin. When Eddie cuts a promo like that, you you know you can picture somebody that, man, I want to go off on somebody like that, right? Or this coworker <laughs> or somebody. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and and you you kind of hit on it there, where like he's the everyman, right? He's relatable. He's it does it didn't really matter that he was speaking about somebody you didn't know. It's Oh yeah, I, I can relate to feeling that passion about defending my friend, mm -hmm. and and you insulting someone I care about, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 taking it from there. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant, yeah, brilliant talker. And, sh and shout out to the uh, power audience because y'all notice how they popped when he said, you know, he built New York wrestling or whatnot, mm -hmm. but how silent everyone got once he mentioned 
unaliving himself. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone was locked in on every single mm-hmm. word. And that's, I mean, also it in, for context, it is a smaller, smaller group of audience members. But a lot of times when you're watching wrestling, someone will say something and the crowd gives the wrong response, if that makes any sense, where mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. he's saying something that shouldn't, you shouldn't be popping for. <laughs> like, yeah. what he just did, you should be feeling right now. You should be mm-hmm. digesting that. And that crowd, they were locked in on every single word. And, you know, it was perfect. It was a perfect, it was a great group uh, effort by everyone involved. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And you kind of peel, I don't want to peel back the curtain, but you guys gave me, I think we got to know a show idea. It's like the audience, the audience is rolling the promo, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we talk about, uh, the, you know, the wrestler manipulating or setting the tone, but a lot of the times is what's the disposition of the audience and how much are they ready and willing to give you as a performer what you need? The space, the silence, Definitely. the cheers. You know, the reaction. Yeah. I think that's interesting because that crowd is a different crowd. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That crowd that was going to those was not an ECW crowd, was not an AEW crowd. They didn't give a crap about flippity floppity. It was a throwback crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was a crowd who was there for the ride. And I think you just explained it perfectly, Adrian, that it was like, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, whoa, you just hit me with right. that. Wait a second, you know, and, and but that's what they were there for. They weren't there to get themselves over to to chant and do all that stuff. There, those things happen with certain people and question mark and different others, but not with Eddie, because they knew what Eddie was. And so I think I love that um, that idea about you know talking about crowds, because that is a very different crowd that would go to power. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. I met man, COVID. COVID messed up everything, bro. Uh, COVID but you know what? Here's the thing. Why? Here's the thing. Why COVID? Here's the thing, Why? though. I'm, I'm going to throw a positive on that, though. If okay. it's not for COVID, it's Eddie and AEW. If it's not for COVID, it's Starks and AEW. It's yeah. Thunder Rosa. I mean, you think about the opportunities some of these, this, these talents got, especially like an Eddie. Because Starks, we knew Starks was going to be boom. Thunder Rosa, for sure. boom. Eddie been around for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So for That's Eddie fair. to get that opportunity, I don't think he gets that opportunity if it's not for COVID. That's his renaissance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Because that, that happened to him. I mean, that open challenge is in the middle of, I think, an empty building. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember hearing Jericho one time talking about him. He, Jericho said he had no idea who he was. And he's like, where has this dude been? <laughs> like, like shocked. Like, holy crap, we've been missing out. And, but yeah, so covid just hurt nwa so badly but there were so many the positive side is that so many of those talents have gone on to bigger and better things i mean for yeah, la night sure. i mean oh my god yeah you start looking around yeah. at some of the, st- the the people who were there at that time i love i love that studio format I, c- I could watch that for days honestly even the the old stuff the new stuff it's just it's so it's such a great vehicle for the promo you know and, you know, I know we're kind of getting off on a different tangent, but this is part of what we talk about, right? Into the building, the old studio wrestling, even power was built around the promos. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It Definitely. was not Definitely. built around the best matches. I mean, it was yeah. built around the promos. And, I mean, you think about it, you go back to the old studio, and it was the horseman coming out three or four times yeah. in the show, Dusty coming out. And in this one, you would have, it was a lot of talking and, and, and during power. And I think that's what made that show so good is because they, I'm sure they had some you know, baram, uh, parameters on them. And um, at the time, Logano was helping run it. So, you know, he understands how to, to format that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it was built around that. You may have a good match here and there. You know, that's cool. But for the most part, it was enhancement. Right. And building to the big show. Exactly. Theoretically. Yeah, which is perfect. Perfect for me. I miss it. Yeah, power was man. That was that was a terrific short amount of time of quality. That was man. Mm -hmm. That was so fun. That was that was some of the 
most fun wrestling that and the thing about power in this episode isn't about power but since we're talking <laughs> about power i i gotta give i gotta give them props man it was so many wrestling fans from different areas of the country that were just locked in locked mm-hmm. in watching youtube at whatever time whatever yeah. day that it premiered because i know for a fact because i used to admin a lie like a you know a a thread a comment thread of power and people were locked the fuck in so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it it made sense man it made sense it was so so it was viewing man. still yeah in the age of the internet yeah and it was uh i mean even going to the crowd what they would do live the interaction the stuff they did in between matches at day marquez was awesome i mean he was just so good um billy yeah but um lagana would come out and talk to everybody uh, marquez talked to everybody it was just like you know they move people around do all the different things and the the wrestlers were so accessible like before the matches and after the matches and it was just like it was like a family it's like you just like had this one huge big family everybody's in on it and it was just but like right before the pandemic, you know, they were going to have the Crockett Cup here in Atlanta, um, yep. down there. So we have an arena near the airport. It's a smaller arena, but it's called I forgot what it's called, but it's where the Skyhawks of the um, the Gatorade the women's League basketball team play. Too, and then right? yeah, the yeah the Dream plays the there. Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Haney actually just eight time Mister Olympia just had his bodybuilding competition there, and it was almost sold out. Wow, it was almost sold yeah. out for the Crockett Cup. I had my tickets. And I bought them day one, man. I was sitting on, I think, second row. And, yeah, then the pandemic hit and mm. nothing. But it was just like, man, it was the, the momentum they had was ridiculous. But I, I but if you think back at the momentum they had, you had some of the best talkers around. Ricky Starks was killing it. Oh, Eddie yeah. Kingston was killing it. Aldis was killing it. Eli Drake, I, a.k.a. L.A. Knight, was killing it. Um, then you had the characters like Thunder Rosa, and you had, mm-hmm. I mean, oh man, it was just, and the question mark. Shut up, Marty oh, Bill. Oh my goodness. Oh, How yeah. did question mark get over oh, like Marty that, Bell. right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, but yeah, question mark coming out and that, that whole yeah. thing, it was just, man, that's so much going on. And they had a what nice a mix of everything. Well, gentlemen, I could talk NWA right, back Power. To <laughs> I could talk NWA Power. We should just do our episode, <laughs> our promo episode on NWA Power at this point. I it mean, was was hilarious. Yeah, I came so close. You you referenced the Eli Drake uh, shoes promo. That was the one I posted first earlier to for this. For, Is that no, right? For, the, for a different one. For nice. a different one. Oh, okay. That's okay. Something nice. I, and I was like, man. That that's a great promo, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to use it. So and, and one see, day we're going to go back to that one. Yeah, and not to like again. I'm going to stay on it because I haven't talked about it. But I want to give shout out to Dave Marquez because he's this, you know, mainstay out here. Where like, I've literally been to New Japan shows. I'm like standing behind the camera because I just went to you know just a restroom. I'm like, oh, that's Dave Marquez. He's producing this New Japan show. Or mm-hmm. oh, there's Dave Marquez. He's producing, the, you know, it's and he's always has a hand in, you know, something pro wrestling related out here in California. So nice. Shout out Dave Marquez. You know, maybe I don't know whatever you're doing, dude. It's 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 good shit. So anyway, gentlemen. So we're gonna close out the set, our our night tonight um, with our non wrestling promo of the week, and this is something that I saw and it's making the rounds, but I had to share it, and apparently some of us hadn't seen it. Or some of us saw it today for the first time, which I'm really excited about. This is a promo under the context of a basketball basketball announcer cutting a promo on a basketball player. So the promo we're going to be looking at to close out the night is from Mavs announcer Brian Damaris. And he cuts a promo on James Harden. And the structure of this promo, I mean... This man must have stayed up that night just writing this up in essay <laughs> format because I'm like I'm I'm just as a teacher as a you know former teacher yes. I'm just looking at oh headline you know heading 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 you know he introduces the the promo he calls out the producer feed this into the locker room and he just breaks down poor James Harden methodically where I'm envisioning him watching this just bawling 
this bit there's probably <laughs> millionaire just bawling because this man just tore him down and i'll ask this heel mm-hmm. promo or babyface promo i guess it depends <laughs> on who, where you're at <laughs> definitely a babyface promo <laughs> definitely he's he spoke to so many fan bases at one time <laughs> so many notes i'm telling you in advance you're welcome for the wisdom i'm about to spew you wanted a certain coach they brought in mike d'antoni you want to play a certain style they played it you wanted dwight howard they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him you wanted chris paul they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him they brought in your old friend russell westbrook you want to go to Vegas on off days? You wanted the team to stay over so you could go out at night? They changed the schedule. Enough. I see the bright lights in New York. I want to go there. And all after one year, you wanted out. You realized, oh my gosh, I took this guy for granted. The guy They traded Ben Simmons for you. How did they pull that off? You're the point guard. You were holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in game seven against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. So have you ever had those friends who had bad roommates? They complained about their bad roommates. This guy's terrible, the bad roommate here. They never thought to be self-aware enough that they're the bad roommate, they're the problem. Hey James, you're the problem. And you're gonna go back home and you're gonna start swiping right for another team and there's not gonna be anybody left because James, you're not the beard, you're not the system, you're the problem. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, oh I agree. <laughs> As a sports fan, I'm not a big NBA fan, but I will pay it. I pay attention. I pay attention. And as a sports fan, when you see these guys making all of this money, getting all of the, these opportunities, and then even more so bullying themselves into opportunities, James Harden being number one on my list, I can't cheer for you. And even though, yes, we both enjoy strip clubs, James, you and I, we're we're on the same page there, my friend. We both love Magic City. But yes, man, you have ruined so many sports franchises. So many. The past couple, past two years in particular, he's played on teams that should have probably probably won an NBA championship. But because he failed to deliver, they didn't. They didn't advance. They lost in massive defeat. Is because of him. That guy, that announcer, props to him, Brian. He killed it. And you don't have to be a sports fan to know that James Harden has ruined so many fans' dreams of winning a winning an NBA championship. So bravo! That's a terrific promo. And great choice, Adelie. Great choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot to add to that, right? I mean, you, you asked, is it a baby face or a heel promo? It's going to be all depend on your view at that moment, right? You're going to have people out here who come out, oh, it was so wrong for him to talk to her. Oh, no, for him to sure. Say that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, he didn't say nothing false. And right. you know what? It's not just James Harden. You could probably insert 10 other names in there, whether it's yeah, football, definitely. basketball, baseball, soccer. Women's right. soccer, it, it, women's basketball. You put everything in there. Um, Corporate America. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. It's number. And, yeah. and the thing is, it's like, man, he's so right. When he said that about the roommate, <laughs> I was like, he's so right. At some point, right. you got to look in the mirror and be like, it's you. You mm-hmm. are the problem. You're not the beard. You're the problem with that mic drop. Ooh. Come on. But, I mean, it was just... It was priceless. I'm not gonna lie. Now the thing is, it was genius. I felt like it came off genuine. Obviously, he knew what he was gonna say, mm-hmm. but he didn't. It, I didn't feel like he came off just trying to be a show. Right. Like he came off like, here's. I'm just going. I'm just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I have not ever seen that guy. I'm not a huge NBA fan either. But it's not. It's not one of those. You know, Stephen A. Smiths or Shannon Sharps or anything that you see all over everything. Right. Right. Um, right. It was like. Boom! I'm going to hit you with this, and I'm done. And I think yeah. that makes more impact because he's not doing that all the time. That's you got the feeling he was sitting on this, and it was just like, mm-hmm. let me wait for him to mess up one more time, and then I'm going to hit the dagger over here. I mean, we're we're all thinking it. We're all mm-hmm. thinking it. If you're in, if you watch NBA, I've been watching more NBA because I've been on sports podcasts. Shout out to Los pushing narratives every Friday check us out. He pretty much said, I'm not playing. I refuse. 
Right, because James Harden thinks he's the Triple H to the DX. He's not. He's not X Pac. He's not Road Dog. He's but he's getting X Pac heat. Triple H, and it's like no, you're X Pac, and you might be nope. Hornswoggle. So <laughs> you may be the long lost member, the one that just has a small role here and there. But yeah. I mean, he 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 thinks he's something he's not, and I think that's the thing, right? Is you know, not not to go down that whole path, but that's one of the big things. Is like, and it happens in wrestling. These guys start to think that there's something they're not, and at some point you have to sit back and go, "I know what I am." Happened to Scotty Pippen back in the day. Scotty oh, thought, "Oh, I, I can leave this team." Okay, no, how about how about he put the he put the shoe up and said, "Come back, Mike. Come, Mike. I need you to come back and lead me." <laughs> and Harden's not going. James is not going to do that. And that's where that I think that call out comes out. It's like, look, we gave you everything. What else do you freaking need? You asked for this player. You asked for that player. You get, man. But but the delivery, like you said, I lead the delivery, the the cadence, the intentionality of how he said it, the theatrics with the mic drop, everything. Definitely. I mean, he perfect delivery. Yeah. Just just mm-hmm. great. A great a great study in what words can do, and you know to tear someone down but in this case you know like i said like y'all are saying there's no lies this is all research mm. it's, it's rooted in truth it was super well structured it was just it needed to be said apparently so and we heard it so Definitely. with that i love this segment i'm really looking forward to hear what y'all bring to the table this is probably <laughs> one of my favorite segments because like you said promos are all around us and that, that's that's the beauty of this pod you know we're looking not just at pro wrestling but everything else that encapsulates the promo. So thank you, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. All right. We got a special episode coming up. We're going to, we're going to impart you a Christmas episode. So look forward to that. It's going to be real, real fun. Uh, we we're putting a lot of thought into uh, what we're choosing here and some Christmas memories as well. So look forward to that. Follow us on the socials. Talk them to the wrestling pod. Spotify, YouTube, give us a like, give us a subscribe, hit that bell, and you're going to be looking for more more from us uh, and to you because this is something we love and something that we love to do. Nah, man, I'm looking forward to the Christmas episode, man. It's, it's going to be a fun one. For sure. Thank you. And uh, hey, while you're sitting around, the Christmas episode's coming up. So if you like this one, make sure this Christmas, when you share it with your friends, share it with your families, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That's for sure. I can't believe Christmas is already here. But it's coming yeah. around. Well, thank you for giving us the gift of the pod, and we'll see y'all soon. <laughs>